everyone. Today we're reading John chapter 18, verses 33 to 37 for the last Sunday of Ordinary Time, celebrating the reign of Christ. This week, Jesus tries to explain what kind of king he is and the kind of king he's not. I'm Alicia McClintic. And I'm Ben Kramer. And this is the A Plain Account Listen to the words of John chapter 18, verses 33 through 37. I'm reading from the NIV. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate said. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Wow. We yeah. have jumped to the very end of the <laughs> of ordinary time of the liturgical year. This is the moment in the church calendar where we celebrate Christ enthroned as king. And it's a little bit jarring always to dive right into these um passion narratives, right? Because yeah. through throughout the whole season of ordinary time, we're we're really marching with Jesus to the cross, like working through his life and his ministry and his teachings, always with the cross kind of in mind, um, but slightly distant from it, right? Because most of those passion narratives and um, the kind of like concrete Jerusalem moments often get saved for Lent and mm. our, and our season in Holy Week. So we've been, we've been moving through the teaching and preaching of Jesus and really working with following Jesus along the way. And then suddenly here we are like at the end, right? Right, right. Um, and that can that can feel like a, a bit of a jump. Um, sometimes I joke about the Gospel of John <laughs> that it just sort of sneaks up on you. Like we've been working through Mark for a long time, and then like boop, here we are. <laughs> like like John has popped up again, and and uh, and we have this like really intriguing conversation between Jesus and Pilate about um, kingship and identity and. Um, like particularly on this day in the church calendar mm-hmm. um, on, on this Sunday, we're really zooming in with a hyper focus on Jesus, the King, the reign of Christ. And what does it mean that 
God is becoming king in Jesus and that somehow that's happening on the cross. Like these are, these are the mysteries of the faith that (laughs) feels like they're a little bit tricky to unravel. So where, where do we start and how do we kind of find a window via this particular engagement with Pilate and Jesus? Yeah. I, I think at least from the context of the, of the lectionary, it's, it's really because this is the end of the year, right? Like this is the, the, we're starting a brand new year, first Sunday of Advent. But I, mm-hmm. I don't think this is necessarily meant to be an end as a culmination and the lens through which to see Advent in a fresh way that like, uh, this is the coming of our King. The King that we describe on this Sunday is the King we're going to foretell being born in a manger in, in Bethlehem. But it's also uh, who we proclaim Christ to be in, in this season that we just walked through from the last Advent, right? So, so no pressure. You just have to describe all that Jesus is as King this one Sunday. No, I'm just kidding. But like <laughs> this, yeah. It really is this, this culmination of um, Christ's kingship, Christ's reign, how Christ rules as king and how Christ defines king, uh, for, for himself. And I think we really have a really good place to do that in this passage from John. Yeah. It's hilarious. It's, it's, almost vaguely like a comedy routine. If it wasn't like, like a trial for a public execution on like trumped up evidence. So it's, I don't know, on the one hand, it's, it's sort of vaguely comedic. And on the other hand, really intentionally horrific, but, but there, there is this kind of funny misunderstanding, right? Like, are you a King? Well, no, I'm not a King. but. Though there are these people who say you're a king. Well, my kingdom isn't of this world. Oh, so you are a king. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's just like <laughs> this like back and forth situation. So um, what's Pilate really asking, I think, is a good place to start. Like, like what's Pilate really trying to figure out here? Yeah, I I think Pilate is such a good picture of the apathetic bureaucrat. Uh, to to me, just like, okay, here's another, like the, the rebels are getting restless kind of attitude, you know? So he's this highfalutin ruler from Rome who's on this circuit, right? He has his own place in Jerusalem and some archeologists think that maybe he rode into town the same day that Jesus rode into town on the other side of Jerusalem, right? So there's already contention between uh, who's going to be uh, proclaiming Christ as king and the pilot who is this kind of presence of Caesar in the, in Jerusalem. Right. So like every time this is why they release a prisoner uh, and, and pilot even has apathy over that. It's like, I wash my hands of this whole situation. He's kind of just asking like, how do I quell any possible violence that are going to be happening to these people that we are occupying that we are in power over, which is Israel. Like we don't, we, we've given them a good place. Like what more do they want? Right? Like, why are they causing more drama for me? And he's just almost, uh, has this growing impatience, uh, in his questions. Like, are you the king? Are you the person who leads these things? Cause I think his punishment is more contingent on how he, uh, is already sick and tired of these, 
uh, bursts of violence from zealots um, mm-hmm. against Rome. And like, who's leading these things so we can kind of cut the head off the snake and go through the rituals of just appeasing them every year, give them a prisoner that they want and just be done with it. And I can move on my circuit. Totally. Yeah. I, he's, he's particularly asking, are you the leader of this rebellion? Like, right. are, are you the one who, who is in charge or are you in charge slash, are you the figurehead? It doesn't really matter mm-hmm. to me either way. Like, are you affiliated with the revolution that's brewing? Right. right. <laughs> and Jesus is like, so non-committal, um, but is also, <laughs> but, but it's also very clear, like, yeah, no, that's not what I'm about. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, so then I think the flip side of the question it, of, of this interaction is what's Jesus actually trying to say in his answer, mm, right? Yeah. So if if Pilate is this um, kind of disenchanted bureaucrat who's like, okay, just give me the scoop. Like, are, are you the leader of the rebellion? Mm-hmm. Are you in charge? Like, are you mounting an insurrection or what? <laughs> Like, cause right. you don't look like any of the rebels I've seen before. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, so just like, just tell it to me straight. <laughs> like, right. are you being, set, are you being set up for this? Like, mm-hmm. or are you who they say you are? Just like, what's going on? Right. Um, and so then what does, what is Jesus trying to communicate in his answer as he replies back to Pilate is I think maybe the next place where we can dig in. For sure. For sure. I, I think this whole chapter is trying to bring home that like, the, the categories that we traditionally define through the metrics of empire, where king and those who are um, employed by the king function in a very particular way. So like the Pax Romana, which would have been so clear to every Roman citizen that like to keep the peace of Rome means conquering, colonizing violence. So like Rome's like, you're going to keep our definition of peace or we're going to get rid of you essentially. Right. And so Jesus is kind of redefining what a King is to, to pilot here is messing with that. Like, is that your own idea or did you hear that from other people? You know, and how, 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 how pushing would that be or irksome would that be to a, to an impatient bureaucrat? It's like, I know what I mean by King. Like, right. give me a straight answer. <laughs> right. And and I think that's where Jesus is, is trying to s- split hairs, so to speak, uh, to 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 say, like, like, has this been has this been revealed to you? Are you genuinely curious about like this kingdom of God that I've been mm-hmm. preaching and talking about? Or am I just like a report of like some insurrectionists on your desk? Sure. Right. Right. Like, did this come from you, from your heart, from some revelation? Mm-hmm. Or uh did you just hear about this from other people? Um, right. Yeah. And and Pilate doesn't really directly answer that either. He's like, uh, or or he sort of says, like, other people have told me. Um, but he continues to engage Jesus in conversation. And, and that's when Jesus says, well, my kingdom is not of this world. And that's mm-hmm. when Pilate is like, oh, wait, so you are a king? Right. <laughs> like, like, what? <laughs> wait, what's going on? Um, yeah. And, uh, and I think, I think it's maybe important to, to peel back some of those layers of what Jesus is trying to say in my kingdom is not of this world. Because mm-hmm. when, when we talk about Christ, the king or, or Christ reigning and ruling, um, uh, I think it can be 
easy to fall into this trap where we think that that's like in some ethereal palace throne room mm-hmm. situation in the sky <laughs> that it's right. like so like some weird like loosey goosey spiritual <laughs> space <laughs> yeah um yep. and I, yeah and and i think that that those kinds of ideas and images come from phrases like this that my kingdom is not of this world mm-hmm. and yet here we've just spent months and months walking with Jesus keeping in step with Jesus where he's saying the kingdom of heaven is here and now and it's for you the kingdom of yeah. heaven is near right so why would Jesus be preaching and teaching and healing and welcoming and and really like transforming the lives of people around them mm-hmm. if his kingdom wasn't about the the people who live in this world or right. about like this world. So yeah. I I do think we need to do some like parsing of terms here. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um yeah. I think yeah. it's the the expansion of categories that's that's really key here is that like um there's there's this this really good description of uh, in, in the uh, Hebrew mindset of after the garden, like th- the kingdom of God and all of creation were one. And then sin kind of put, you know, separated those two worlds. And God is always trying to bring those worlds back together, right? So, th- where God and the garden are uh, completely one again, right? Um, yes. And, and so, so Jesus is then this pivotal figure that is going to usher in the the kingdom of God and the world to, to, as one again. Um, and so the if but if you're defining kingdom in the ways of the world without that that is defined by the fall and and sin and you know brokenness, those sorts of empires use, sin and brokenness and violence to kind of maintain their power in the Mm -hmm. world. When Jesus, the kingdom that he's bringing into the world that he's reclaiming, that was the kingdom from the beginning is one of peacemaking of meekness of, of all the things that he listed off in the sermon on the Mount, right? Where trust is the nature love is inhabited in all things. Right. And so if, if a, king or queen is defined by the kingdom that they lead, then Jesus is not going to be understood in the terms of king that Pilate understands. Right. Right. So we have, we have these like intersecting realities of, of, um, of God's space and humanity's space and, and the ways that God is committed to moving all creation to new creation in this redemptive life-giving way. And that, that in some, in some fundamental, um, mysterious ways that's happening in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so when Jesus is saying my kingdom is not of this world, he's saying, I, I'm not establishing an empire (laughs) or like, I'm not establishing a dynasty. I don't have an army. I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, building a palace (laughs) or, or like reordering infrastructure. There's no bureaucrats for hire. (laughs) Like this is, this is not the kind of kingdom in, in that kind of like structured yes. or worldly way, so to speak, like 
like the ways, the ways of the world that include violence and greed and selfish ambition Mm -hmm. and envy, et cetera. Like that's like, we've, we've seen game of Thrones. Like like, that's not, that's like, like not that kind of kingdom. Right. Like we we know the forces that are at work in these sorts of kingdoms. And that's when Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. But we also remember that like several chapters ago in, in the book of John, we are, we're reminded that that God has come into the world mm-hmm. as one of us, that God so yes. loved the world, yes. that God, that God gave us Jesus mm-hmm. so that all might be reconciled to right. God. Right? right. So, so the, so, so God's kingdom, God's reign is very much connected to this mm-hmm. world. Yes. Um, so, so I like, at least in, in my personal preaching and teaching life, I try to use the language of, of earth or world or humanity versus like the language of, of, of empire or mm-hmm. dominion, or I, I borrow like yield King James from Paul powers and principalities, yes, right? Yes. Like the, like those sorts of, those sorts of ideas. And and in the New Testament world just gets used for all of those kinds yeah, of things. Right. And, and, and I do think there, there needs to be a little bit of splicing um, in our English language mm-hmm. so that we've got like an, an appropriate understanding of what Jesus is actually talking yeah. about. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because if we fail to add some of that nuance, then, then we get caught in this like weird dualistic or even Gnostic space where Jesus's kingdom is only some like floaty, ethereal, wispy place far away. And Jesus isn't actively involved in transforming our concrete world or our concrete yeah. life or a concrete reality because Jesus absolutely is. That's absolutely mm-hmm. where Jesus is reigning. Sure. Jesus, Jesus is reigning um, in our world, in our neighborhood, in our homes, in like in in all of these worldly, quote unquote, places. So I just think that we we need to um, be careful with our language and our imagination. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like what you're saying is so central to John's gospel, too. Exactly. Right from the beginning, John painstakingly points out that it was in and through Christ that all things were created and move and have their being. Right. Mm -hmm. And so even though like Jesus may be talking about maybe in the same way that Paul uses the word flesh, right? So Mm -hmm. much the the dualism can get caught up there as as if Paul is just talking about our physical bodies when it's really the dominion of evil or selfish ambition, right? So Jesus is saying my kingdom is not of the that power and principality it's not of that mm-hmm. evil dominion it is of the 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 world that god initially intended at the beginning of all things um and, and so yeah i i think that is so fundamental in john but really needs to kind of be pointed out and highlighted again uh, in our in our preaching Totally. Um, and as we were talking about last week, we're in, we're in a world where just everything feels like it's on fire. Sometimes literally, yeah. right? Like with these wildfire wildfires sweeping through um parts of our country and around the world, that mm-hmm. just like like there, there are, like our text last week said, wars and rumors of wars. There are natural disasters, there are there is devastating poverty. There's a lot of stuff in in the world that makes us feel 
anxious yep. for like some some mystical magical ethereal kingdom far mm-hmm. away right? Right, right and and that that pull is really strong mm-hmm. um and and so i think the the theological work that that pastors and teachers are are doing when we come to the text this week are reminding us where god is reigning right here right now yeah. um it, it be, because <laughs> there's there's a song that um i really quickly struck from our repertoire <laughs> that uh uh my congregants really enjoyed singing before I got there. It's called like when we all get to heaven. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. I'm not gonna words, <laughs> but the but the title gives it all away. Like yep. like that there's that there's some sort of escapist reality that that and and um and I think it becomes our work when we're talking about the kingdom of God and the reign of Christ to say, um, yes, there is some final fulfillment. There is some brand new creation that happens at the end of all things. Um, but we're not just like sitting around in our pews waiting to get whisked away to heaven right. to experience the power and presence of God, to experience God's healing, to experience God's peace, to abide in the love of God or to experience mm-hmm. God reigning right here and right now. Right. Right. And and so, yeah, I mean, I guess I just feel that really heavily, especially in times when like it's easy to just wish we were someplace else. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And- I, yeah. I, yeah, I think that category redefinition that that John is really highlighting here and Christ is with Pilate is so crucial because it doesn't just happen with the, the rulers and the people of empire. This is like the best politics and religion like contrast here, because in just the next few verses, we see the, the good, faithful, religious people do that with the category of son of God. And mm-hmm. because we, when you do the, the good Greek study of this passage, you find out that Barabbas bar Abba means son of the father, mm-hmm. only they're defining it through the category of empire or the, or the dominion that, that pilot would define King. So right. they are asking for the, the son of the father they prefer rather than the son of God that came to them bringing about this kingdom of, of, of peace, of loving your enemy. They asked for a known zealot to come back and create an insurrection against Rome, which is what they've always wanted Jesus to be that kind of Messiah for them. And so this category redefinition is so central for both the empire and for religious, um, I don't want to say institutions, but for, for good, faithful, religious people as well, uh, that, that it's equally important for, for both those, um, the movers and shakers in, in both those paradigms. Right. Totally. Because if we're too caught up in this idea of um, God's kingdom is not of this world, then we, we find ourselves off track, off kilter, like mm-hmm. bent out of shape from the work that God has given us to do right here as co-creators of the new creation, as citizens of God's kingdom here and now, right? Right. If, if we're if we're waiting for some kind of wispy heavenly reality, um, then we we absent ourselves from feeding the poor, from serving the hungry, from 
paying attention to the least and the last and the lowly, the people mm-hmm. who are on the outside, like the work that God has given us to do in the world. Um, if <laughs> that that stuff can fall to the wayside if we're not carefully focused on what particular kind of kingdom God has has invited us into, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. Um it's it it becomes <laughs> uh clearer and more murky every time we kind of try to untangle untangle this tapestry right um i think i think maybe one of our one of our other uh areas of attention here that's been kind of in the background of our conversation um but it's worth making explicit is that all of this conversation is happening precluding jesus's death on the cross Mm -hmm. like uh, Jesus is about to be sentenced to public e- execution. Um, and that in some way that I can't always <laughs> clearly articulate, um, yeah. God is becoming King in Jesus on the cross yeah. that, that in, in some way, uh, Jesus's victory is worked out through this scandalous act of self-giving mm-hmm. love to the point of death. Right. Um, and I don't think we have any time today to get into major atonement theories <laughs> or like how exactly this is all shaking, shaking out, but, but this is an important component for Christ the King Sunday yeah. to be able to point to Jesus's death on the cross and then, and then to invite our, our community communities to consider like do we worship Jesus as king is mm-hmm. Jesus really the king over our lives right. um do we really believe that Jesus is king in our in our neighborhoods in our cities like in our world do right. we do we really believe that Jesus is reigning as king yeah um and can we receive the way that that kingdom comes through yeah. sacrifice through um, through this upside down, uh, service in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's so good. And it centers on what, where the lectionary cuts off the very next verse, Pilate retorts almost mockingly to what Jesus says, like, well, what is truth? And, And I hear that as a impatient bureaucrat saying, I tell the people what truth is. Like I'm the one that defines truth for the people. And he almost says that impatiently mockingly for, for Jesus said, I, I have come. His primary goal was to testify to the truth and everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And so Jesus is King because of the truth he testifies to. Mm. And the truth was ultimately and completely revealed by the cross and his life Mm -hmm. and ministry, right? So the way the truth, the life was shown through him. And that is why we call him King. We don't call him King for any other arbitrary reason or because he's wields a great power or, or military might or anything else. He is King because he revealed the way, the truth and the life of the kingdom of God that is to come into the world that no other King 
prophet, messiah, teacher has ever done. And so our category of truth defines the kind of king we're looking for. Our category of truth defines the kind of teacher we listen to, mm-hmm. right? Um, and if we don't have our category of truth shaped by the person of Jesus Christ, then we're going to be looking for all these other definitions of kings, teachers, messiahs, prophets in, in the world. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so good. Um, and that, that the truth that Jesus reveals is, is God's complete love, mm-hmm. that yeah. God's, God's covenant faithfulness, God's commitment to uh, a loving dynamic relationship with humanity. Right. Um, and, and, and this is, this is the truth that we, <laughs> that, that we, um, submit to this is the king who we worship and that's it that's 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 the stuff like these are the mysteries of the faith right amen well let's take a quick break um ben has an announcement for us but stick around and we'll be back with some thoughts on preaching and applying the text after this announcement Well, my friends, I've been just so thankful to work with uh, Danny in the infancy of a plain account where we collaborated and had this wild uh, brained idea of like, what if we had this free Wesleyan resource uh, to provide online? Because we were both, you know, working so hard as as pastors and we didn't really have a lot of time to study like we did in seminary. It felt like all we did was study. Um, and it's a plain account has been so uh, center to my my heart and ministry for such a long time, um, but as as we know that life tends to do, uh, seasons come and and uh, bring about change. And as as you all know, I'm expecting my my first child, my my baby boy, in March uh, of 20 or 22. Uh, we're gonna expect him to to come into the world. And so the the team at a at a plan account and myself decided that it would be best to take um, a year hiatus uh, from the the podcast. Um, and I I through prayer and and really deeply considering this, I I accepted that that hiatus. Um, but I, I, I want you to know that like, it was not an easy decision because especially these conversations with Alicia and diving into the text has become such a companion in my pastoral ministry. And it will continue to be such a, a passion of mine. And I will deeply miss these conversations. Uh, but I know that the Lord will use whoever comes and has is the counterpart to Alicia and and spars with her as I do in these podcasts is going to be such a great gift to you. Um, And a plain account won't won't be far away from my heart and mind in this year either. And I'm really excited to see what God will do at the conclusion of that hiatus, uh, where I might be able to participate with a plain account in the future. And so I just really invite you to pray uh, for myself and for the future of, of a plain account as our our, our journey takes a, a little bit of a, of a different turn uh, for this, this next year and, and pray for Alicia and her, her counterpart that will uh, be stepping into this position um, in, in the year ahead. And I just want to thank you so much for all the, the support and the, the compassion and the feedback that you have given myself and a plain account uh, over our 
our uh, existence. It has really just been such a meaningful and grace-filled journey, and I look forward to what God's going to do. So thank you so much, A Plain Accountant. Thank you, Ben. We are excited to send you off with joy and love and support into this next season. And all your listeners, you know that I've got Ben on speed dial. We might, <laughs> <laughs> and we might be bringing him back for some for some guest co-hosting in the hiatus term. But Ben just needs to take a step back and focus on family and some new ministry opportunities. So mm. we'll be cultivating some other regular co-hosts in this space. But you can always count on a plain account to be your reliable <laughs> Wesleyan lectionary resource, even if our co-hosting is going to be fluctuating a little bit. Yeah. Well, now that we're back, let's talk about um, some kind of application points from our text this week and from this like high holy day in the church year, so to speak. How are we bringing these ideas concretely home to our people, whether that's in a preaching context or a Bible study context or just in conversation over the dinner table? How are we helping to make this passage about Christ's kingdom and Christ mm -hmm. the King understandable? Yeah. Well, I saw, I think I've mentioned this in a podcast before, but I, I think it fits so well here. I saw a, a hilarious meme floating around the internet that said, um, and that's where I do all of my uh, study for scripture is through <laughs> memes. So no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but the meme said, uh, I'm, I'm a Christian. It was like an online dating profile. I'm a Christian, not the January 6th kind, but the love thy neighbor kind. Um, and, right. And, but it, if, as, as someone in pastoral ministry, I find myself saying I'm a pastor, but right. Like I have to put a disclaimer on it. Like I'm a pastor, but I'm not the kind of pastor that you see in the media. Um, I'm not the kind of pastor shouting against, um, um, health, health guidelines for the most vulnerable, right? Like I'm, I'm asking for people to, uh, to take the precautions, to love your neighbor through, uh, through any ways that you possibly can. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm a Wesleyan pastor. Like that's a different category than, 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 uh, some other pastors may define themselves. And in, in general, I think there's this reckoning with what kind of Christian are we going to be? Like I've heard from so many of my millennials in my congregation that say, I hesitate telling people that I'm a Christian because of the reputation that it has. And that's a kind of category in our world. So I think you could start this sermon um, or discussion about this passage with saying, what categories are we wrestling with right now mm -hmm. that maybe Christ or the, the spirit is really trying to redefine and reclaim for us as we move ahead as the community of God? Yeah, totally. Um, I think really like getting concrete about this picture of Jesus as the king and mm. and what does and what does that look like for all of those who follow said king right um, right yeah and and having those like those those category redefining conversations mm -hmm. um yeah totally absolutely um, 
Yeah. I, I think one of, one of the things that comes up for me, um, in these, in these passages about the reign of Christ or, or, or Christ the King is I find myself needing to do some redefinitions, uh, in this space of, of our God reigns versus God is in control, right? Like Mm -hmm. those, Mm -hmm. those are, uh, those are nuances that I feel like really, really compelled to theologically work with, right? Like when, when we say that, that our God reigns, that, that Christ is King, we don't mean that God is some divine puppet master chess master moving all of these things right right right, exactly (laughs) or like or or that every every bad thing that happens has been like a a domino effect or that god is somehow responsible for Mm -hmm. for all of that right right um and that's that's again uh, like a a Wesleyan perspective about God's sovereignty or God's work in the world or or how how God is is actively reigning. Um, but yeah, I I find I find myself needing to to do that kind of work in in the parish setting um, to remind folks about God's power and God's presence and God's reign amongst us. And also (laughs) helping people interpret, um, the, the world around them (laughs) in, in a way that remembers the character of Christ, the King, right? right? That God is good. God is loving. God is is unceasingly faithful mm-hmm. that God is always working toward peace and wholeness and restoration. Right. So we keep coming back to the character of what kind of King Christ is right. and then, and then how that determines what kind of reign Christ is executing in the mm-hmm. world. Um, and, and that I think frees us up from this kind of idea about God's control. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's, we've talked a lot of like the nuances of language yeah. <laughs> today, which um, I, I hope has been helpful for our listeners. But one other thing I wanted to share was this poem from Malcolm Wheat. Um, he writes a sonnet for every um, week of the church year. He mm. has several, several volumes out. I'm excited to dive into his collection of Advent poetry and devotions um, in this, in this coming season. But this is the poem from Christ the King. It's it's based on the text in Matthew 25 verses 31 through 46. So that's not that's lectionary year A, I believe. Um but I I wanted to share it. It's compelling to me this week. Our king is calling from the hungry furrows, whilst we are crushing through the aisles of plenty. Our hoardings screen us from the man of sorrows. Our soundtracks drown his murmur. I am thirsty. He stands in line to sign in as a stranger and seek a welcome from the world he made. We see him only as a threat, a danger. He asks for clothes. We strip search him instead. And if he should fall sick, then we take care that he does not infect our private health. We lock him in the prisons of our fear, lest he unlock the prison of our wealth. But still on Sunday, we shall stand and sing the praises of our hidden Lord and King. Wow. That is so powerful. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, put, I'll post a link in our show notes yeah. um, and, and remind you that that's Christ the King by Malcolm Queet. Hmm. Um, yeah. I, I just think it, it continues to point us to the, 
to the character of Christ and how Christ became king Mm -hmm. and and the ways that a, a super sharp focus on that reality shapes all of the rest of our choices and yeah. how we respond in faithfulness. Right. And, and our people really need to hear truth because there is this unraveling of what truth is. Our whole culture is pilot right now retorting. What is truth? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and truth is whatever partisan political category that I'm within and it's used to defeat as like a tool to to defeat or conquer the opposing perspective when Jesus doesn't fit in a conquering mentality at all, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus is the the one of self-sacrificial love. And so that that truth of the of the cross that doesn't fit neatly in either categories uh, that are so shaping our world right now, our people are asking, what is truth? And I, I mm-hmm. think part of the beautiful and difficult part of our role as, as servants, as pastors, is to really speak to that truth uh, th- through who Jesus is as King for us today. Well, yeah. I, I think that's all the time we have for today. Uh, check us out on the website for more written commentaries for the scriptures this week. And sign up for our newsletter to stay in the know. Connect with us on social media for further conversation, especially if you want to keep chatting with Ben while he's on hiatus. And subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review and share it with your friends. It really helps to get the word out for us. Special thanks to all the writers who contributed this week and to Matt Ghost for our original music, editing, and production. And join us next week for the first Sunday of Advent. We're full of anticipation. It's <laughs> been a pleasure speaking with all of you and journeying with you through the lectionary year. May the peace of Christ be with you.